Hello and welcome on into episode number five of the PHFL NFL podcast, our week seven review. Joined as always by Kai and by Mikey. Hello, gentlemen. Good to be back again. Yes. Talk about some NFL football. Mikey's now actually hiding, for, looking behind the curtain for everyone. He's hiding behind pieces of paper now. We can't even see his wee face. This is me actually deciding to bring notes up. onto the podcast. <laughs> Getting prepared. Um, well, we'll move on to game one, which is our Thursday night football. That means we can get our uh, Kai's Philadelphia chat over with nice and early. Um, the Eagles won the game 22 points to 21. The Giants could have won that game, possibly should have. Um, Daniel Jones certainly tried his hardest um, with that fantastic run that I'm sure everyone's seen uh, or memes of, probably. Um, but, Kai, I'll throw it over to you. What do you think about that game? Much, much like you've said, Giants should have, sorry, could have and probably should have won that game. But I'm certainly not complaining that they didn't. <laughs> um, wins are hard to come by for us right now, so I'll certainly take it. Um, I, I stayed up to watch it. Um, I, I didn't think it was really the best game in the world. It wasn't the most exciting at times. Um, but again, like I say, it could be the most boring game ever as long as it come the end of it, the Eagles had won. Um, it was good to see Deshaun Jackson back briefly. And then decided to injure himself again and go back on IR. Um, so I, th- I think we're going to get them in small packages. Um, talking of small packages, there was a nice, a nice small package got, got us the winning touchdown. The smallest guy in the league by a mile. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's kind of comical to look at. Um, I think we worked out on Thursday night that the average height of uh, the running backs in that game for the Eagles was about five foot six. <laughs> between between him, Corey Clement, and um, even Miles Sanders, I know he wasn't playing, but um, Wentz had a few heart, uh, few heart in the mouth moments. Um, I would quite like to see Jalen Hurts given a bit of a chance. To be honest, I'm not saying Wentz played badly because I think he had a good game at times, uh, which was masked by that Russian touchdown. But I would I would like to see Jalen Hurts be involved a wee bit more, other than. Been chucked in to run about and pretend he's doing something, um, and it's a good, good win to get going into the bite. Well, going into the probably the biggest game of the season so far um, against the Cowboys, against a rather weakened Cowboys. But we'll come on to that. Um, and I think if we can win this week, go to three, five, and one, or whatever it is, three, four, and one. Um, Go into the bye week, rest up. After the bye week, it's looking like Jalen Rieger will be back. Miles Sanders will probably be back. Alshon Jeffrey might be back. And Gallus, Gallus Dodder. Gallus Dodder. <laughs> Dallas Goddard will also be back as he's been activated onto a um, 21-day practice window. So I think if we can go into the bye week with another win, rest up, uh, come out of it, they've got a pretty decent schedule to come. Um, I would like to see... Might see us kick on away from Washington and the Cowboys in that division. Yeah, look, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, I would say that surely you've got to be looking to win that division now, especially with the what's happened to Aye. the Cowboys, which we'll come on to. Uh, I don't think the Giants are particularly good. Um, Washington might be a dark horse, with possibly if they start kicking into gear, but surely that's now an Eagles, an Eagles division to lose. You would like to think so. If we, I think if, even if we play half as well as I think the players we have are capable of playing, then I think we'll probably um, win it. But yeah, this week's massive. 
Yeah. But all in all, uh, a victory, I suppose you can't complain, especially in a, a divisional game against those exactly. Giants. Um, game number two of this week was the first one in the Sunday the Sunday games. It was a I'm bat- sorry, are we not going to... Are we not going to talk about Daniel Jones? No. Well, I mean, I briefly touched on it. Do you want to talk a bit more of it? <laughs> I just, I just can't not talk about it. That was, <laughs> I, I can't remember seeing anything like it. Honestly, I, I think that's up there with the the Sanchez butt fumble uh, from years ago. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's it's. Hilarious. I don't know. You see it in his face. See when it shows you the camera angle, like right in his face when he's running. Nobody, nobody's catching him, and he is a phenomenal pocket runner, but. I, I don't know what happened. I, I think I heard one of the commentators say it's just one of those when just it's a rush of blood to the head and all the blood gets taken away from your legs and you just completely crumble. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, it would have been funny to have seen him fall into the end zone for the touchdown because obviously there was no contact. But just as soon as one of those Eagles secondary players came back, it was just, I'm just really, really glad they scored on that drive because if they'd turned that into nothing, he would have been a massive laughing stock. Yeah, I think he started but, stumbling about ten yards after he started running. I felt like yeah, he was he stumbling stumbled, he stumbled for about forty yards. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's I just needed to add that in because it was hilarious. I think for that play, it's maybe more worrying about the huge gap that appeared in the Eagles' defense Aye. as opposed to the, the run for Jones. Like there was just yeah. no but one there at all. They're doing a lot. They're doing a lot of design run plays for for Daniel Jones. He's their leading rusher this season as well. Obviously without Saquon, so. Um, just to touch on the Giants, I, does, I, I do feel for Daniel Jones because he's. I think he's played really well. I'm not going to lie. I just think he's he's not got weapons around him and he's struggling, but he's doing the best with what he's got at the moment. Um, and I, I can't really fault him at the moment. His record obviously isn't the best, but hopefully you'd like to see... I, we said this at the start of the season. It would have been great to see how the Giants do with a full unit, and especially with the Eagles and Cowboys struggling this season. But I guess we'll just have to say there's always next year for the Giants this time around. Yep, I think so. I think uh, when Saquon comes back, that team should be a lot better, definitely. And you never know if they struggle this year, as they look like they are going to be. They will surely have a fairly highly rated pick, which will only, in theory, help improve yep. that team. Uh, that's Sunday games, as I say. We'll quickly move on to that now that we've uh, touched on that fantastic run from Daniel Jones. Uh, first game was Pittsburgh at Tennessee, a battle of the unbeaten teams. And uh, Pittsburgh came out on top. Um they, they tried their best to lose it. Uh, they were 27-7 ahead in the third quarter and uh, and uh, Tennessee had a bit of a comeback there. Um, it ends up that a missed field goal from uh, Guskowski uh, resulted in Tennessee losing that game. He's had a bit of a roller coaster season after struggling it's, the first game, scoring... It's not like him to miss one. Yeah, he struggled the first game and then had a, a game to have about six field goals or something like that uh, in, the, in the, right. the game later on and another missed one here. Um, my start of the day really is that Tannehill going into this game had had four game-winning drives in the fourth quarter so far this season. Before that game, um, so this could have been five of the five six. Five. five of the six wins, if they'd won this game, would have been from fourth quarter winning drives. Um, I bet you Tannehill's sitting there thinking, I, I didn't lose this game. It was Goskowski, so he probably still <laughs> that on his, on his CV. <laughs> Counts as a win, yeah. But I think this Pittsburgh yeah. team's actually very good. The defence, I think, was expected to be good, but it, it was proven to be good. It really shut down Henry, especially at the start of that game. He kind of came into it a bit uh, later on, but really shut down that Tennessee offence. And, the, I mean, the, the 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 passing game, as always in Pittsburgh, with Big Ben there, and you've got uh, Washington, Juju, uh, 
Johnson, Claypool, like there's so many different receiving options there. You've got Ebron at tight end, uh, and now they're rotating through the running backs. I, I, I don't think many people thought that the Ravens might not win this division, but it's looking like a very close race uh, so far in that division. This weekend, this weekend is huge, absolutely huge. I think this will set the tone for that division for the rest of the season because um, I think I've said on the podcast before I've got a friend who's a Steelers fan. And he messaged me the other day and asked, do we have a chance to beat the Ravens? And I said, of course, 6-0. and um, It can be a good and a bad thing coming off the bye as well for the Ravens. Yes, they're resting up a lot of their players, but they're also losing momentum from previous wins. I, I think this game, again, probably for the third week in a row, the Steelers are probably going to be in the game of the week in terms of hype and what's going to happen. And they've won the last two. Who's to say that they're not going to beat the Ravens? As a Deontay Johnson fantasy owner, uh, I very much appreciated that he played today, played well, got his two touchdowns, but he then uh, did get hurt, I think, uh, towards the end again, um, which isn't ideal. He uh, He's good when he's on the pitch, uh, but... <laughs> well, often yeah, on the pitch. Yeah, the problem is he's not often on it, but don't get me wrong, if I know he's going to be there and he gives me nearly 30 fantasy points, I'll happily take that. Aye. Do you two have anything to add? Uh I was the one having a look at that game this week, so that's why I that's why I took over there. But if you've got nothing to add, I can... just I think if because you said as the comeback from the Titans, if Goskowski scores that field goal, I don't care who's getting the ball in overtime. I think the Titans would have won that game. Momentum is just such a massive thing yeah. in basketball and American football. I think um, and them taking the ball. Scoring on that last drive, and then I think their D would have came up against the the Steelers who were struggling towards the end of the game. And if not, then you've obviously got Derek Henry running down the field again for a touchdown. So, yeah, the Titans threw that game away at the end. I, I feel bad for Goskowski because he is a a great kicker, but he's had his ups and downs this season, as we've said. Yeah, I agree, um, but I still think Tennessee are a, obviously they're a good side, the uh, top of that uh, division in the AFC South, and I think they're going to be one of the teams to look out for possibly in these playoffs uh, later on in the year Mikey was having a look at our next game uh, which is the Dallas Cowboys travelling away to Washington, Washington won 25 points to 3 what bit do you want to start with in that game Mikey? I don't think you can look anywhere else from the start of the game apart from the quarterback issues in Dallas just now It's we've, we've touched on this division over and over again and obviously this was two divisional matchups this week for the Giants and the Eagles and now this game um, it's just not looking good for Mike McCarthy. Um, Andy Dalton took a big hit. Obviously went out with the concussion protocol. It looked, it looked uh, bad seven, watching it live. At yeah. The yeah. The, the, I think you've seen actually one of the Washington players when the hit was made, put his hands up to his head as if to say, yeah, he's, he's getting ejected. And that's it's one of the worst hits. I mean, it's had obviously a total different hit than what happened with uh, Chris Carson a few weeks back, but because um, that was more of a tackle. But I mean, he's just they don't have room in the game for tackles like this. It was really, really bad. Um, seventh rounder, Ben DiNucci, came in. I mean, he was only two for three for 39 yards, so not really much to speak of. But um, I think it looks like uh, Andy Dalton's going to be back for the weekend if he clears concussion protocol. But if not, they will be obviously going with a third stringer. Um, and then don't really want to talk too much about the Dallas side of the ball because they were terrible again. But Washington had a really, really good game. Uh, Antonio Gibson, 128 rushing yards. Um, just one, yeah, one of the stats I've got here is uh, no Washington player had even half that many rushing yards in a game this season. And 
Washington's most team rushing yards combined in a game this season was only 117, which was week two against the Cardinals. So 128 for Gibson. Hopefully for Washington fans, that's his breakout game. I know that there was a lot of talk about him uh, when they drafted him, being a good running back and a pass-catching running back as well. So um, I actually think the the Washington football team looked very, very good this week. Chase Young's played every game this season, but he's had he's been carrying a few injuries and not been playing many snaps. But he was great again this week. I can see the the Washington D becoming a bit of a problem uh, as the season goes on, uh, with a lot of players coming back to full fitness. But yeah, it was a very very good game for them and a bit of a statement win in this division because really it is up for grabs for if someone just decides to take on uh, a few wins. So um, as bad as this division is, again, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, I I, I query whether it was Antonio Gibson being amazing or whether it was just that Dallas defence is just so bad that anybody <laughs> anybody could do that against them. Yeah. We could do it. And <laughs> the, um, Dallas are turning over the ball a lot. I mean, Zeke's been known to fumble in recent years, but I'd love to know actually how many he's actually fumbled this season. A lot of interceptions, just so many turnovers. And I think they've only managed on the defensive side to get three turnovers uh, to get the ball back in Dallas possession. So um, that'll be something that the Eagles look at this weekend because they are both playing bad, but you'd like to think that the Eagles are definitely in the driving seat for this game and for the rest of the season in this division. Yeah, you would have thought so. Kai, these are two teams competing in your Eagles division. Do you have anything you want to add? I think that was probably the worst thing that could have happened this week. The Cowboys getting beat in the strangest way possible because... And aye, they're, they're going to come into this weekend. It's already a big game. They're already going to be pretty pumped for it. Sunday night they're football. Off the back, aye, they're coming off the back a loss against a division rival. They don't want to make it two on the bounce against division rivals. Um, I can see Sunday night being a, a I mean, it's the Eagles Cowboys. It's always going to be fiery, but I think I think you'll probably see, um, I think you'll see a totally different Cowboys team both sides of the ball. I think they'll be desperate to try and score points. I think they'll be desperate to try and totally shut the Eagles down. Um, but in the same way, they might come out and play too angry that they just go all over the place and the Eagles pick them apart. But um, you never know. That was just I good mean, to see that's... someone other than the Cowboys winning a game in that division. They're looking for that statement win in the division, but they're also just looking for that well, statement I win. win full stop. <laughs> yeah, Aye. like... Um, they obviously lost that really high-scoring game to the Browns, and now this it's it's I, this is win or bust for them for the for the playoffs this season. Um, you wouldn't think that with a team as bad as a record as anyone in this division, but as we said, looks like a losing record may potentially get a playoff spot in this division. So um, yeah, it's win or go home. I think for the for the Cowboys this week. Yes, uh, however, just to reiterate the fact that defense is really bad, they have conceded two hundred and forty-three points in their seven games so far. Um, which is the worst in the NFL by at least 20 points. So you'd have thought it would be a high-scoring game, uh, certainly for the Eagles' side on Sunday night football. Um, I think take, take the over on that one, yeah. Yes, I would agree. Maybe not on the Dallas side if their offence keeps struggling as bad, but you know, maybe maybe the Eagles will score all the points themselves. The Eagles will score all the points. <laughs> uh, the next game, which I'm going to touch on just briefly, because I'm not going to lie, when I was watching the highlights of this game, I did fall asleep. Uh, which maybe <laughs> tells you quite how poor the game was. Uh, it was a Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Buffalo won 18 points to 10. Buffalo didn't even have to score a touchdown to win this game. 
Jets losing by eight points is the closest game the Jets have had all this season. Um, and here is a game. This is all I can tell you, okay? So, Buffalo Bills scored six field goals in this game. In the second half, did the New York Jets have over or under six total yards of offence? I think it was under. Say under, I don't think you'd ask if it was over. Four total yards they had in the second uh, half. Four <laughs> total yards. How is this team going to win a football match if they are getting four total yards in that second half? You're I, I, probably better from the last week. They probably only had three the week before. <laughs> it was just it was some of the worst stuff I've ever I actually seen. think I think it would be harder to score that little sorry, it was I think it would be harder to have that little number of um offensive yards than it would be to have more than that. Like yeah. they could just run the ball every down for four downs. And and they'd surely and, get at least that. Yeah. And surely get more than four. Aye, just really bad. The only thing I'll point out is they got Denzel Mims back uh, from injury, the the rookie wide receiver they've got, who I thought was actually fairly decent. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. And uh, LaMichael Pirine as well in the backfield. Obviously, no Le'Veon Bell there anymore. Uh, I think Pirine could be something quite good for them. I don't actually think the Jets are going to end up winless. I think they are the worst team in football at the moment. But I don't think they'll... I think they'll pick up at least a win somewhere. But they are very bad. And I would like to not talk about them, if that's all right. Thank you. I just want to ask one question. That Obviously, they play the Chiefs this week, and it's Le'Veon Bell. Does he, does he go for 100 yards and two scores? Like, what's, what, what's our projections for that one? I think someone just absolutely melts him after two minutes, knocks him out, takes the ejection for the game, and then that's <laughs> it. It, it kind of, no, I should not condone that again. I think it's bad. Um, I think it would be like written in the stars for him to... If he's gonna have a like his second game back, or his second game, and against the team that he came from, um, I think it would be fate. I for think it to him. I also looked at the Chiefs game this week, which we'll come on to later. Uh, but I think that's definitely within the realms of possibility, and the way that they were using uh, Edwards Halea and Bell, there's a high chance that could happen. We'll see. I imagine yeah. he's going to be very happy when they absolutely demolish the Jets. Because that's what's going to happen. Whip that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but we'll move on from that game. I see. I've already talked about it enough because it was. I'm not even joking. I was. <clears throat> I was sitting there watching it, and I fell asleep in the second half because it was that boring. Uh, when I was watching the game in forty. So, um, the next game was an NFC South matchup: the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. Kai was having a look at this game. Uh, the Saints won twenty-seven to twenty-four. I've heard from a lot of people that the Panthers could slash should have won. This game, yeah, I, I I thought it was a probably going into this week. I wouldn't have put it down as being one of the more exciting ones, but um, especially when we allocated who was getting what games. I think when the Panthers Saints came out, I was mildly disappointed, but it turned out to be quite a good game actually. Um, very offense heavy. Uh, neither team's defense really wanted to turn up and do anything, uh, so there was a lot of points scoring, notably. TJ Moore, who happened to be sitting on my bench in fantasy. Yep, we noticed decided that. To, decided to catch the biggest deep ball ever from Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think we obviously mentioned two weeks ago how good Teddy Bridgewater had been and he was kind of steady in the ship in that offence. I think last week you can probably put it down to being an off day because he wasn't very good because I think he was very good again this week. Um, 
Yeah, Panthers have absolutely no run game whatsoever. Or they had no run game whatsoever. Um, Mike Davis kind of didn't have a... Again, Just looking at be, the stats, they had 12 the, rushing the, yards from Davis. They had less than 40 yards total offence on, on the ground. He had, like... I think he almost had as many receiving yards as he had rushing yards. He actually had more according to the stat sheet. He had 24 receiving yards, Davis, and he only had 12 rushing yards. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really know what happened. It was a bit all over the place. Um, all the offense seemed to be through the air. Um, but that kind of suits Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good quarterback in that sense. Um, and then, obviously, the news, probably music to the ears of Panthers fans, that uh, Christian McCaffrey was back in training this week. Um, I think there is still the potential for him to start tonight, but I think they've said if he does, it will be in a very limited capacity. And I think if they played Sunday, he probably would, would have started. Yeah, I think Thursday's probably, probably too, too, too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I must say, on the Saints, it looked, it looked very dramatic. Uh, I say it looked dramatic when I was reading it on Twitter. It, they described it as he arrived in the red you know, non-contact jersey and off. ripped it off. Now, oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> It was as if he did it in a rage. Yeah, um, yeah like Mikey says, I think if if this game had if this week's game had been on Sunday, I think you would have probably seen him in a in a pretty big role. But I can't see him having a lot um, with it being tonight. Uh, on the Saints side of the ball, Alvin Kamara was relatively quiet in Alvin Kamara terms. Um, he didn't quite have a standout game. Um, I haven't watched it and then watched it again. The one person that kept catching my eye was Marquez Calloway. Um, it was obviously a rookie. It's his first kind of serious game this season, obviously with uh, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both out. Um, I thought he had a good game. He looked pretty strong. Drew Brees seemed to have a lot of trust on him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what will happen over the next few weeks. Um, obviously, Michael Thomas will be back at some point. Um, Sanders apparently is on the COVID list. Um, so he will be back within the next few weeks. But if he can perform like that every week, you never know. He could find himself probably sneaking into contention. Can I just say that it's absolutely ridiculous that we describe Alvin. Like it shows you how how much we expect from Alvin Kamara now because we've just described basically a hundred and fifty yard day, including eight receptions. As a oh, he didn't really do much, you know, like any other player, you know. <laughs> but hence why I said in Alvin Kamara terms, yeah. in any other person in the league's terms, you would go that was a great game, he had a really good game. To Alvin Kamara, he wasn't. You're used to watching the game and going, oh my god, Alvin Kamara's just done that, or oh my god, there's a massive touchdown. He just kind of ran. I know that's like entirely his job, but yeah, uh, n- nothing hugely, you know, outlandish, but just uh, I, no. I find that amazing. He had eight catches for 65 yards, 14 rushes for 83 yards, and we're like, I oh, didn't, didn't really do much compared didn't to what he no. um, um But like you say with the Panthers, probably could have won it, probably should have won it. Um, it kind of came down to that last fourth quarter field goal that won it for the Saints. The the one thing I've seen as well is uh, Thomas Morstead, the punter for the Saints, didn't punt at all yesterday. Put up a picture on his Instagram with Drew Brees just holding up the zero sign. <laughs> basically with the caption inactive again and then he posted <laughs> another picture saying awesome team win today's action shot and it's just him because he holds he's the holder for the field goals so basically it was just a picture of him in the background behind Will Lutz um, so yeah busy day for Thomas Morstead but I don't think he'll be complaining at all No I don't think he will be no certainly not uh, I think if you can have a day when you're not punting then that's successful for your offence Quick question Mikey 
What do you want for Michael Thomas? <laughs> I just for anybody that's that has Michael Thomas in fantasy that, that might be listening to this, I I don't think you should sell short on him because he has a first round talent and when he plays, see every week before he gets called inactive, his projections for about eighteen points or above, which just shows even if he's coming back. I know apparently it's a grade one hamstring uh, injury just now, but all I'm going to say is I'm just going to pull up. Um, because if, if I was to trade or if anybody else was to trade for him, come playoff time, uh, if fantasy playoffs, I mean, he's up against the Eagles, the Chiefs, Vikings and the Panthers. I mean, that's uh, besides the Chiefs, they are pretty much games where he's going to get good yardage. Um, that's something that you should be looking at if you are thinking about trading Michael Thomas. So I would still say first round value for Michael Thomas, like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire or something like that. Um that's that was directed for you, Adam. But we'll talk after the podcast. Uh-huh, right. I say I'll give you Levy on bed. No, no. <laughs> I'll take him against the Jets. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, we can move on to the next game, which Mikey I know has been quiet so far. Uh, but he, here's here's a game that normally me and Mikey are very vocal about. Um, but I think surprisingly this week there's not actually a huge amount to talk about. Uh, it's Green Bay traveling to Houston, winning thirty-five points to twenty. I've just got noted down that Aaron Rodgers is going to back on form, but what do you think, Mikey? Yeah, I, I text Kai uh, on Sunday night because Aaron Rodgers does not have back-to-back poor games. He just doesn't. It's I don't think I've ever seen him in his such a long career have back-to-back poor games. Um, 283 yards, four touchdowns, just on it again. Just seemed like if Rodgers is rolling the the Packers are going to win. It's as simple as that. I, I think if Packers get involved in shootouts, that means Rodgers is playing well and I just think his experience and ability is just going to take it over the line, which is always good to hear if you're a Packers fan. Um, not too much to talk about uh, with this game. I think it was just quite a professional victory, a good bounce-back game after the Bucks game. Um, Devontae Adams, career-high, 196 yards on 13 receptions. He was also good for two touchdowns as well. Um Rogers throwing a lot to his tight ends. Just yeah, just a very, very good overall win. Uh, Texans made it interesting in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, Deshaun Watson playing really, really well. I've, I've said this before. I genuinely think Deshaun Watson is the best pocket scrambler in NFL history. I think it was when I seen him in the London game against the Jags as well. Just how he can evade the sack and make runs or make plays is just unbelievable. Um, but probably something that uh, that has been rumoured for a little while, but is started to kind of snowball recently as um, Will Fuller potentially being traded to the Packers, which we spoke about. Um, if that's the case, which we all spoke about in the group chat, that, that it just shows that Texans are going into full rebuild mode um, at the moment. But yeah, not not much to say about that. One thing I will say that didn't even have anything to do with the game, uh, good morning football yesterday, the, the videos on YouTube, watch Jamal Jamal uh, Williams's interview. The Good Morning Football uh, journalists and uh, presenters said that it was the best ever interview on the show, and it's it is a fun show as it is. So that just says it all. The guy just he makes he makes you happy when you're watching him. His energy is genuinely infectious. So yeah, I would recommend anybody to watch the Jamal Williams interview. He just seems happy to be playing football and happy to be a part of that offense. And I think he's a very underrated running back as well. Talking about Jamal Williams, obviously. Uh... There was no Aaron Jones in this game, and uh, I think it showed that just that running back room is really strong, as you said. You know, underrated Williams, um, but even without Jones, you know, they were happy to 
to be fairly decent on the ground. AJ Dillon's maybe been a wee bit disappointing compared to what I think the Packers fans might have thought when he was initially drafted, you know, especially as Mikey was saying with those thighs, um, the size of those legs. <laughs> they thought he might have been playing a bit better with running through people. Um, but the one the one point I wanted to make from this game is, I think, again, I, I was I was listening to Colin Coward's radio show on the FS1, and uh, he, he described it as, as when... At what point in a game, for like uh, Devontae Adams here had 13 receptions, 196 yards, two touchdowns. At what point in that game, as a defensive coordinator for Houston, should you go, oh, we should just double this guy? Because it appears that they didn't do that at all. Like, like surely... Opening, in, opening introductions. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, sure, surely at the start of the game, when you're, you're going off against Devontae Adams, it's not as if he's like going to fly under the radar every week and then... like have a big week he's one of the top receivers in the league exactly and he had over 100 so, yards in the first half so surely you go aye. wait a minute let's just put two folk Second in him half. Aye. you know like it's, I, not, I it's say... not exactly as if the Packers have they don't have another I think this was what you were saying last night when we were talking about Will Fuller is they don't really have a wide receiver too or they don't have a solid wide receiver too so if you double up on Devontae Adams and almost take him out of the game or reduce his production massively then you're relying on someone else having a game and let's be honest I think you two would probably agree there's not someone else that's going to have anywhere near the kind of production that Devontae Adams would have no um, definitely not I mean my, my the biggest pet peeve about Devontae Adams this week was that I was playing him in both leagues <laughs> so I didn't just get done once I got done twice so every time he scored a touch then it was like double jeopardy for me Mikey I asked you this okay again again I heard this on the same show there was apparently rumours going online uh, obviously before the trade deadline on Tuesday, uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, with how they are currently struggling and possibly kind of half rebuilding, especially with maybe not taking on Dak and all this, uh, there was some fan suggesting that they wanted to get rid of Amari Cooper. And online, people have said, well, a good place for Amari Cooper to go would be Green Bay because they're in win-now mode. Rodgers only got a couple of years left really at his peak before he falls off. You know, having another... You know, excellent wide receiver there for him to throw the ball to would take the stuff away for Adams. Personally, I don't like the idea. I think as well the contract that Cooper's got is huge. But I was just wondering what you might think about that because it was something that I'd, I'd heard online. I think you would have to. I know we are we are in a small Super Bowl window, but you would have to probably give a few draft picks away in order to, yeah. to get Amari Cooper in. I, I, I don't think so. I was going to say, I think it'll be, it's a scary thought that with Adams being the only kind of big target for the Packers and his, how good he is in his uh, his quality that, and his stats, if you bring in a another kind of top-tier wide receiver, it could take away from that. But I think someone like Will Fuller is the, is the perfect level of quarterback, uh, sorry, wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers to throw to that doesn't take too much away from Adams but takes enough from the secondary away so that he's getting big plays downfield or vice versa because we know that Will Fuller is a massive deep threat down the field at times so I don't think Amari Cooper would be the, the best solution um, I, th- I think there's still wide receivers there that we could get for a lot less that could still benefit this team a lot more Yep, I totally agree with you um, you were also looking, Mikey, at the next game, which was the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cleveland Browns won 37 points to 34. And I just have one thing to say before you talk about this game. Okay, Now, I have said for quite a long time I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's you know, really exactly what they were looking for uh, when they drafted him with the number one overall pick. He's not that kind of 
uh, you know, unbelievable first round talent they were looking for. And I think this stat backs it up. Did you know that 30% of Baker Mayfield's wins have come against the Bengals? <laughs> okay, I did not know that. No. <laughs> like, he, look, basically, one in three of his wins have been against the Bengals, who, since Baker's been in the league, haven't been a very good team. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's a strange stat. I, I, how do people find these stats? Like, <laughs> I know, I, I know. I, like, I, can, I can claim but, I didn't find it. I found it somewhere else. Someone else had researched it. Yeah, I, I, feel, I would not want to be like a stat finder for a big, a big sport or something like that because if, if you're not finding good stats, that's, that's you getting sacked. But um, this was actually a very, very good game. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Heisman versus Heisman and Burrow versus um, Baker. Number one pick versus number one pick. They both played phenomenal, really, really well. Uh, uh, Baker was 0 for 5 in an interception to start the game. Uh, followed that up with 22 out of 23 passes. And 21 of those were in a row, which was a, a franchise record. He ended up, the only reason he broke that streak was to spike the ball to stop the clock on the game winning drive. So, um, it's harsh, it's harsh it that counts, isn't it? It's really harsh that counts as a, an attempted pass, the spike, did not it? I know. <laughs> Same as when you take a knee, it counts as minus one rushing yards as yeah. well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was both quarterbacks were very good. I've got another stat here that uh, Burrow and Mayfield threw for five go-ahead passing touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which is the most in NFL history for go-ahead touchdowns. Um, so it, the fourth quarter was just lead change after lead change. Um, and then my favourite stat, which we spoke about, Joe Burrow equals Philip Rivers' uh, career rush touchdown record with three. Impressive. So that's it. That's it. Uh, so even if Joe Burrow retires tomorrow, at least he's got a stat with a potential first ballot Hall of Famer uh, that he shares. But I think the biggest biggest thing to come out of this game was the the Beckham uh, Odell Beckham Jr. injury. In saying that, this is one of those things where it was only in the game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot to struggle with as the weeks come by without him. But Rashard Higgins and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones played very well in the absence of OBJ. Landry was just his, his usual self, very consistent. Kareem Hunt is obviously a good receiving back as well, but this injury is huge for the... I, I said that the Browns wouldn't reach the playoffs anyway, and I think that this is just going to do them no good whatsoever because Landry, I feel, is only good with OBJ, similar to what we said about Devontae Adams. Landry is the, the, perfect, uh, the perfect match, but it's going to be very difficult for them without OBJ stretching the field uh, and people potentially doubling Landry for the future. So... Um, but very good game I, I think the Bengals are a few pieces away from being a, a dangerous overall unit if they get a top 10 pick this year who's to know what's going to happen in the next couple of years they're obviously planning for the future with uh, Joe Burrow and uh, T Higgins and things like that so um, right off the Bengals this season but keep an eye on them for the next couple of years because I think they could become a very very good unit Can I just say that the, obviously at the start of the season people were worried the fact that AJ Green wasn't getting a lot of targets but I mean it looks like all three of those receivers, you know, Boyd, Green and Higgins, um, Burrow's really comfortable throwing to them. Obviously him and Higgins both coming in as rookies, uh, I think there's going to be a good connection for years to come there. Um, but I, I think I think this passing offence is, is really, really impressive. Uh, you know, 406 yards passing today. I know they didn't have Joe Mixon, which is probably why they didn't run the ball as much. But, um, but yeah, I was really impressed. My question for Odell Beckham is why did he think that was the right way to tackle somebody? 
I, if I went to tackle someone, I would never jump over the top of them and then not only injured myself, but he also injured one of his teammates as well as he'd landed on them. Yeah, it, was a, it looked like a bit of a silly... It was, it was on a punt returner? Or no, a, a, an, interception. an interception, yeah. An interception that he was chasing yeah. back. So, again, we can probably... Browns fans can probably blame, blame Baker Mayfield for that. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't, will. That actually wouldn't have happened if Mayfield hadn't thrown the interception. But yeah. um, as we said, T Higgins is, I honestly think, the future of that franchise. He's been playing very, very well as a rookie this season on a team that's not doing too well. So, um, as you said, that's a connection for years to come. I just, I love Joe Burrow. I know me and Kai have spoke at length about this, but I just, I honestly think he's phenomenal. I, I watched him pretty much every game in his last year of college for LSU. One of the best, if not the best, college uh, college prospect coming out of uh, college going into the NFL draft by maybe Peyton Manning but yeah the fact that he was at Ohio State wasn't getting game time I think he was behind Dwayne Haskins at that time in Ohio State uh, was benched transferred to LSU won them a championship it was just yeah he's just been great to watch and I'm, I'm glad to see him at least playing well individually in the NFL but obviously he needs to start picking up results yeah just two things before we move on to the next game first that was about 40 seconds that you'd spoke about Burrow, so when I get to the Chargers game, I'm going to oh, just use that template and look, talk about Herbert. Looking behind the um, scenes for this, by the way, I was warned coming into this week that there may or, not, may or may not be Burrow versus Herbert beef going on here, so I apologise if there is no anything beef. that happens. There's later. money on the line, remember. There's <laughs> no beef, it's just facts, it's just don't go um, The other thing was, obviously we were talking about like the, the Green, Boyd and, and uh, Higgins as the, the three main receivers, obviously, for for Bengals, I think when you saw through probably even the first three or four weeks, it was very, very Tyler Boyd heavy. I think it was almost like a Joe Burrow kind of used him as like a a safety blanket for the first few weeks, got him into the league, kind of got his confidence going and he, he found his feet. And then I think now you've probably seen it the last two weeks or at least the last three weeks probably, he's a bit more confident, he's a bit more ambitious, you know, he's thrown the pass that might be the first few weeks he wouldn't have thrown. Um, he always, he obviously always had the ability to do it. I think it's just a confidence issue. I think now that you're seeing more numbers for other receivers, he's, he's more ambitious. The offence are kind of gelling a bit better as well, like the receivers know how he plays. Um, so I think the, the initial worries on AJ Green can probably be settled a wee bit. Um, I'm I'm not saying that's him back to AJ Green style um, wide receiver, but I think I think his his uh, value will probably go up a bit in the, the next yeah. couple of weeks. Personally, I still don't think uh, they'll give him a new contract. He's obviously on the franchise no. tag this year. I think he'll go, but I think he'll if he keeps playing like this, he'll, he'll obviously I think he'll get another good contract somewhere else to finish off his career. Probably. Um, moving on to the next game. Kai, you had this one. It was Detroit at Atlanta. Detroit won 23-22 to and Falcons are just trying to find new ways to lose games. So today they managed to lose the game by scoring a touchdown. Could you explain that to us, Kai? I, I think that that is what makes the Falcons so exciting this season <laughs> as you know they're going to do something that everyone just goes, what? Um, yeah, I mean... Like we'll address the elephant in the room at first. That was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in the whole time I've ever watched the NFL. Like you are a professional athlete, you've played God knows how many games. It's like it's not as if it's a rookie. Like it, it was Todd Gurley. He knows what he's doing. Like he's he's been in the league for a few years. 
I think they said if he'd stopped short, they had enough timeouts and they had the first down where they could have just run all the time off the clock, had three seconds left, hit the game winning field goal, yeah. and the game's over. Yeah, that's all they had to do. All, that's all they had to. He just had to get the first down, which he did, and then, uh, as I say, as you say, enough time to run off the clock that they had to kick the field goal and win the game. That's it. I think the, the funny thing is, you saw it as well. The Lions let him go in. Oh, because they knew the only way to win that game was for them to concede the touchdown to then get the ball to go up the other end of the field and Gurley yeah, just went, the, oh, I'll just get a touchdown but you could see with, I, I, with a yard to go he was like, oh wait, I'm not meant to score this touchdown. He, he was going straight and then he started turning and he was trying to stop his momentum and fall backwards and oh god. Um, We've seen it We've seen it in um, 2018, the year Todd Gurley won Offensive Player of the Year for the, for the Rams there was a huge uproar because he was probably the biggest, I think he was going number one in fantasy leagues that year. Um, he was the best player in fantasy, kind of like similar to what Christian McCaffrey has been in the last two years. But there was a game where in order for the Rams to win, he was clean through. He, he had to walk in for the touchdown and he, he slid at the five yard line to run out the clock. And uh, fantasy owners were really, really annoyed because I think it might have actually been the fantasy playoffs and Todd Gurley slid down to kill the clock for his team rather than win people their fantasy matchups. There was a huge uproar, and he says, I don't, I don't care about that. He says, I care about winning, and that was obviously the year they got to the Super Bowl. But he's he has experience. He's got the knowledge to do that in the past. He's done it in the past to kill the time. And this one, it was almost his shoulder just broke. The ball broke the plane, which I think was even funny. I see if he'd fallen right into the end zone, and it was a touchdown. Right, fair enough. But the fact that he'd stopped and, like, I think three or four inches of him managed to just cross the plane for the touchdown. And you see the Detroit Lions players celebrating the touchdown because they knew they were going to get the ball back. That was just, again, momentum shifter, demoralising for the Falcons and hilarious, if I'm going to be honest. I think, um, I mean, I was kind of hoping that he didn't go over either because, again, I was playing against him in fantasy. So I thought, this is great. He's not going to break the plane. And I was annoyed that he broke the plane and scored the touchdown because it was points against me. But I was also annoyed because I was going, you are an idiot. Like, why? Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was more things happening in that game other than that. That was the, the big talking point. Um, obviously, still on the Falcons' side of the ball, Julio Jones seems to be kind of creeping back into a more fantasy-relevant picture for the Falcons. Um, two touchdowns, 234 yards in the last two games. Um does that have implications for Calvin Ridley? I think you'll probably find Calvin Ridley will drop back into more of a wide receiver two type receiver again. Um, I disagree, Kai. I think, do, do you? I think Julio Jones, will now he's back to how Julio should be, will take that uh-huh. number number one corner back for opposing defences and Ridley will have his way with the second corner back on each defence and be yeah. unbelievable. So, aye, so I didn't really think about it that way actually so if on paper you say Julio Jones is wide receiver 1 and Ridley's wide receiver 2 people will probably target wide, um, Jones more as in to try and shut him down so yeah to be fair actually you probably will find that Calvin Ridley probably still gets I've got Ridley's fantasy so I hope that's the case <laughs> that was just a confidence yeah, thing for exactly, you you just yeah, said that yeah. to like tell yourself that exactly um, in fact I think Mikey has him in Dynasty as well so between the two of you you'll be hoping he still he still keeps it up um, as for Matt Stafford I don't. I honestly don't think he had that good a game at all. I don't think the Lions played that well. the The last play, obviously, the touchdown was the only touchdown he threw. Before that, he was like three hundred twenty nine yards, 
uh, 30% of his completions were to Kenny Galladay. Um, so I think he was just like, ah, you take it, you take it, you go and do something with it. Um, but I don't think he'll be minding. He got the chance to score the game-winning touchdown, so he's he's going to take it. Um, not much else to say, really. The lines at 3-3 three and three are just kind of going about their business quite quietly in what's a very tough division, obviously, um, the NFC North. But I, I have a question for you before we, we kind of either move on or you talk about the game. Who do you think finishes with a worst record, a worse record, the Falcons or the Giants? The Giants. Mikey? He's got a thinking face on. You know, now he's going to look at the yeah. schedule. He's going to th- I just did it off the top of my no. head, okay? Now Mikey's going to look at the science of it and see who's I, I was, I was kind of meaning to just put you on the spot and do that. I wasn't meaning <laughs> no, like look at the schedule. A couple of weeks ago, I looked at. Um, oh, I just that. Well, let's just say yeah, Giants. I think. I, I think. Top of my head, I think the Falcons are. They have too much quality, and they're winning and they're losing razor thin games with stupid mistakes. That uh, any given Sunday, uh, uh, that's the obviously the classic quote. Any given Sunday, the Falcons can win. If you've got Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP. Julio Jones, who, in my opinion, in my lifetime, is the best wide receiver of all time. Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, who's just a touchdown monster. You're going to win a couple of games. Giants don't really have that at all just now. I think the Giants finish with a better record than the Falcons. That's Kai's... Oh, Falcons. oh, we don't have a drop, sound drop for Kai's outlandish claim. Sorry. We don't <laughs> it's have just my outlandish just... claim of the week. Uh, I'm, I'm going with... I think the Falcons will finish with a worse record than the Giants. There I don't, you go. I don't think so. Uh, can I just say though, I was just looking when you were talking about uh, uh, when I spoke about Todd Gurley sliding down uh, a few, few years ago to to wind the clock down. It was against the Lions for the Rams. Oh, that's that's <laughs> poetic, just, you, isn't it? You can't write this stuff. You honestly can't write this stuff. So he, the the Rams were up by fourteen at the time. Uh, uh, the Lions had a timeout and a two minute stoppage still to come. So it might not have happened, but there was still a chance. So that's why Gurley uh, wind, uh, wound the clock down, but. You just couldn't write it that he did that against the Lions and then makes this mistake against the Lions and then they get their win. But final note on the Lions, I know maybe not this week as a sample size, but I genuinely think Matt Stafford's top three most underrated quarterbacks in this league. I just I just think he's phenomenal. I think he's playing with a bad team. Um, I, honestly, I just think he's phenomenal. He was the number one pick for a reason. Um, he's only been to the playoffs maybe two or three times with the Lions in his quite a long career, but he's just a, a very, very good clinical quarterback I, think I enjoy he, watching him. I think he's a very very solid quarterback he's not I don't think he's going to say anything I like you know he's not going to you know yeah. do amazing things but he's solid sort of quarterback that will take you somewhere you need to be to me a similar level to kind of Eli Manning maybe maybe that's harsh on Manning or yeah. maybe harsh on Stafford but the kind of one that you don't go oh that's not a very sexy quarterback you know but he does the job that gets you to where you yeah. have to be if, if he, he had enough I think he's him, aye. I think he's in the same bracket as Ryan Tannehill they're both quarterbacks that probably Ryan Tanner has probably been noticed more because he's playing on a team that are absolutely phenomenal. I think. Well, that's the thing. If you put Stafford in the Titans' offense, aye, that's uh, what I, I mean. Stafford would seamlessly progress he's, in that offense. He's, he's in a really good team. He's got weapons round about him, like you say. I think they're both quarterbacks that they just, like Adam said, they just do what they need to do. It's like it does what it says in the tin type thing. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna get you there and win you games. Um 
but like you say, he doesn't do it in a a fancy, sexy way, yeah, really. Exactly. Just but, a final a final thing on that game uh, is thank you very much, Todd Gurley, for losing me two thousand pounds. Um, <laughs> because I had a bet on a wee accumulator and Atlanta were the only team that let me down in that. So thanks, Gurley. I'll be asking for that money in a letter at some point. Um, <laughs> the next game was the one I was looking at, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Las Vegas Raiders. This was meant to be Sunday night football, but it got moved into the late afternoon window just in case it was cancelled because the Las Vegas Raiders offensive line basically all were on uh, were on COVID watch. Uh, they all got to come back apart from one though, um, so this got played at the in the, the kind of four o'clock window. Tampa Bay won. 45 points to 20, but the game was a lot closer than that score suggests. Um, right at the end of the game, uh, the, the Tampa Bay scored a lot. Uh, it was it was 24 points to 20 at one point, and then they just ran away in the fourth quarter, uh, thanks to a few turnovers. Um, the, the Brady-Gronk connection was back. Uh, five receptions and a touchdown in this game. I think a lot of people were worried after the first few weeks, but maybe it was unrealistic to expect Gronk, no matter how superhuman he is, uh, it was un- unrealistic to expect Gronk to be still in footballing shape right when... Having you, not played. Yeah, having not played for a season. But I think he's starting to come back in. Um, I, I quite like Gruden's Raiders. I think Gruden's maybe slightly underrated as a coach. I think obviously he did well back in the day and when they got given this 10 year contract at the Raiders a lot of folk were like whoa what's going on here but I quite like it I think I think they are very old fashioned though they look to run the ball and then they just throw the ball deep they don't do a lot of kind of short fancy passing throws they basically run it and then they go hey Derek Carr are you going to throw this about 30 yards yep not a problem and he does that perfectly fine uh, I did like Las Vegas's uh, fake punt on their own 34-yard line, right at the, at the, at the start of the game, uh, which they managed to convert into a first a first down. Um, but I mean, I mean, the game was. Uh, I think I think Tampa Bay are starting to click. That defense, hugely underrated at the start of the season, are amazing this uh, so far this season. Um, but the big thing I think for Tampa Bay, which hadn't quite been confirmed, I don't think, uh, when we recorded our last podcast, was that Antonio Brown is joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to add to that already stacked offence, would you say? On, on, on both sides of the ball, though, like yeah. both rushing and receiving, they just seem to be stockpiling now, anyone that wants a game in the league. Mike, <laughs> Mikey claimed that it was the Rams that had removed the salary cap. Um, surely surely the salary cap's gone for this team as well, all those offensive and defensive pieces. I, th- I, I do terms, think so, uh, I picked him up in uh, our dynasty league, um, but I don't think it's weird saying this because Antonio Brown, I would say, over the years has been up there. Just him and Julio Jones have been the two best wide receivers over the last five, six years, but um, there's just so many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay just now. Um, I'm counting four wide receivers if you're counting Scotty Miller as well. Um OG Howard, Gronk, and then you've got Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. That's that's a lot of weapons on offense. I think it's very good for them in terms of American football and trying to get to the Super Bowl. But in terms of fantasy, it's taken it's taken numbers away from Godwin and Evans, um, which I'm happy with because I think we said um, he was meant to be going to the Seahawks, and I've got DK Metcalf in every single league, so I'm glad that he's not taking uh, receptions away from him. But it's 
a big, big offense that you're going to have to to work around in in terms of fantasy. It's it's not the best for the Bucks, but it's it's really good for Tom Brady actually because he I think he's going to be say. a top end quarterback going forward. Um, right. I but, think if you want anyone under center with that many people to work with, like it's Aaron Rodgers, yeah. It's shut yeah, up. I'm not just, yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady is the guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much else to add on that game. Uh, at one point in the game, um, uh, the running back, I've just lost the name there, uh, Josh Jacobs for Las Vegas, uh, ended up hurting himself, actually. He, he was meant to be blocking Devin White on one of the plays, and his one of the offensive linemen actually stood on Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs tried to go and block the guy but couldn't move because a big 300 pound boy was stood, in his, stood in his foot um, I, I thought that the reason that his stats were so poor was because he went off injured but looking at the uh, stuff on uh, Roto World it appears that it's not been the case uh, he just he just wasn't playing particularly well I think he was very good yeah um, but I, I'll be honest I don't think I don't think the, the Raiders were that bad I think the score looks harsh on them and I think this team could very easily uh, actually qualify for the playoffs. I think uh, this is another division where several teams could qualify with the Chiefs, Chargers, I yeah. fancy. Even though their record's not great, I think the Chargers could jump up there and uh, and, the, and the Raiders, I think, as well. Um, You're jumping on my bandwagon, Adam, there, saying that the Raiders will make the playoffs. Well, you see, I wasn't sure. <laughs> at, at, at the start of the season, I had them as, as one of the teams that would make it. And then I thought at the start of the season... After the first few games, I was like, "Oh, I'm not too sure," but I think I think they're probably going to be kind of eight and eight, nine and seven, and especially with the expanded playoffs this year, it might be enough. Do you think they've got a better chance than the Colts? No, I think the Colts have got a better chance. The Browns? Yes, because I don't like the Browns. <laughs> I think those are the. <laughs> I think those are the three in the in the AFC that are in that area of. Not a solidified playoff team, but have any three of them can string a few results together and, and make the playoffs. I think you're putting those three probably in the same brackets. Maybe the Browns a little bit less now after the OBG injury, but uh, as we said, it's it's uh, what is it? Scott Hansen says it's the witching hour. Um, yes, where wins become losses and losses become wins. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think the AFC has a lot more a lot more narratives this season going into the playoffs than the NFC anyway. Yeah. I think I agree with you there. Uh, just quickly in the Tampa Bay rushing game, Fournette and Jones kind of split carries. Um, Jones got the rushing touchdown, but Fournette actually got six receptions, and he wasn't known as a receiving, you know, a receiving back, but he seems to be used in that role for Tampa Bay, which uh, could be interesting looking forward. Kai's looking at me because I know he's got Ronald Jones in fantasy, and he's not hugely happy. But Ronald Jones is one. Isn't great at pass blocking. I think is one nah. of the reasons they don't use them in that a lot. Yeah, I think um, going into week one, and I think I said it actually when I drafted him as well, was that he was very much. I think I took him second or third last pick in my in my draft, and I took I was very much taking a bit of a punt on him, um, because it was quite a crowded backfield. I think at the start of the season, Lashawn McCoy, Keyshawn Vaughn, and him all being there looked crowded, then they add Leonard Fournette to that and it becomes even more crowded um, he had no value at all through the first two weeks and I was very close to dropping him and then obviously Leonard Fournette goes and gets injured and Ronald Jones actually becomes a very good fantasy asset but off the back of last week I'm starting to have more doubts again 
and whether he will be widely used. Um, he's, he's still going to be used, but I think it will be a, it, it looks like it's going to be almost a 50-50 split in between him and Fournette. Yeah. Um, uh, so, who knows what will happen. We'll see. Well, talking about teams where it's not a 50-50 split in the backfield, I'm trying trying the segues like we did, like did last week. It's not really working. Um, moving on to a game that Kai was looking at, it was Jacksonville at the Chargers. Uh Chargers won 39 points to 29. Uh, my, my link there was because the boy Robinson at Jacksonville, who no one really knew about, just has all the touches. I think I think there's was something like two snaps he wasn't on the field for, I'm sure I read yep. somewhere. I, I, I thought that's unbelievable. That's almost unheard well, he was, of. He was undrafted as well. Yep. Yeah, what a find. And nuts. Madness. Um, to be fair, okay. they, don't, they don't have a very good quarterback, so that's why they need to use the running game. There you go, there's my Minshew hate Not already. Like Minchu, yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you two want to talk about this game, or do you want to let me do it? No, Jesus. I'll let you do it. You looked at it. Um, you've picked out every point I've got mentioned. <laughs> Shall we just move on? No. Um, I'll, I'll, get the, I'll get the Jags side of the ball out of the way and get my hate out, and then I can start talking about my guy. Um Oh, the Jaguars are rubbish, man. They're really. Thank you. I think the the score line says otherwise this week, but they were mints, man. Um, I'll, I'll say something nice about them to be fair. Like James Robinson uh, had an absolute monster, uh, like 119 yards, a touchdown rushing, and then he had 18 yards and a touchdown receiving. Um, he he looks a really good find. He looks like he could be. Like a very very promising quarterback, might as well put him in at quarterback. Um, might do better. He, he he looks like he could be a very very good running back for years to come as well. Um, on talking about quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew, I think that the hype behind him last season was he was coming in fresh. Nobody knew about him. He had no pressure on his shoulders, and he came in and he was, he was good. He was very good. Um. I am going to put a label on him just now, and I'm pretty sure Adam might. In fact, Adam probably won't disagree with me here. I think he's the worst quarterback in the league right now. The worst uh, starting quarterback. Now, that is a strong thing to say. However, I'm struggling to who's, think... I'm, who's worse than him? I'm struggling to think of any who are worse than him. I'm considering starting a hashtag of Gardner Minshew. Uh, just because I've so, got Gardner oh, Minshew is oh, absolutely mince. <laughs> looking looking behind the curtain, uh, Mikey's currently showing us his Gardner Minshew jersey, um, which I can only assume is now absolutely worthless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I I, th- I honestly think Gardner Minshew is the worst quarterback in the league just now. That or, he certainly has been so far this season. So far I, this I would year, even yeah. go as far as saying like. Sam Darnold at the Jets isn't. It's not him that's the issue. No, I, I think Darnold's a good quarterback actually. And Sam Darnold's a good quarterback. Gardner Minshew makes this offense difficult. Like I, I don't think he's that good at all. Um, and now obviously, um, they've said after the bye week there will be changes coming. Um, but what are they going to change? Their backup quarterback Mike Glennon last played solidly in like 2013 for the Bucks. He had, he had a kind of half season at the Bears, didn't he? As well, he had a half season at the Bears, and then that's it. He's not really, he's not played elsewhere. And then they've got the rookie Jake Luton, who obviously nobody really knows about. Uh, see, I had to go and Google his name. Um, you see, I'm looking at uh, just looking at reference to it. Is he the worst QB in the league? Okay, if the Bears hadn't changed to Foles, I'd have said Minshew and Trubisky would be competing for the worst. Yep. Um, 
Dwayne Haskins before he got dropped I'd have said he was competing for the worst so the fact that the two that I think he'd have been competing with have already been dropped suggests that possibly yes he is the worst and he should get dropped but Mikey likes Minshew yeah. a bit more so Mikey what do you think? It's not that I like Minshew as a quarterback I just love the whole Minshew mania I love the whole persona that he's got I think when you're I don't know if maybe as a quarterback, he's obviously not going to think this because you need to be arrogant and confident. He probably believes he's the best quarterback in the league and I think that every quarterback should. But I just love his whole persona. It's almost as if subconsciously he knows he's only got 15 minutes of fame and he wants to ride that that wave of momentum. But no, but fair play to him. Like I, I, off, off the field, I absolutely love the guy. I think he's brilliant, but... Yeah, he's trash, isn't he? <laughs> he's not. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, he can't even back up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's the one for the. Kai, uh, move the on. Move on to a quarterback who isn't trash in your opinion. So, from one trash quarterback to an absolute superstar. Um, back to Joe Burrow. Oh, shut up! <laughs> You're so predictable. Right, come on, we've got. I'll put a timer on you. What have we got? Forty seconds. Um, Forty seconds. He's got. No, I, seconds. I've got other things to talk about in the Chargers' <laughs> offense here. Um, I know I've said it every. I. I absolutely love watching Justin Herbert. I, I, I'm, and I know I won't be the only one because he is phenomenal to watch, but he's... What was it? I think he had 350 yards for three touchdowns passing, and then he also led the team in rushing with 66 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Like, that was very much a, a win through Justin Herbert. He won that game for the Chargers. And I know that's not a... A strange thing to say a quarterback won the game for you, but like you very much pushed them on to win that. Um, Keenan Allen seems to be his his safety blanket as well. Obviously, Keenan Allen's a great wide receiver, and I think he kind of kind of goes a wee bit underappreciated sometimes. But I think he was very good. He had uh, 125 yards. Um, uh, like you were saying, obviously with the the Chargers potentially being playoff. Uh, being in playoff contention out of that division, I know they're bottom of the division, tied with the Broncos on two and four. But uh, they have a stretch. They play the Broncos next, then they play the Raiders and the Dolphins. Uh, so there's two big divisional games in that. I can see them picking up a good few wins out of them. I don't know. I I can see the Chargers making a good playoff push there. I yep, think I if do. they keep up the momentum, um, they probably could. Mikey managed to slide in a, a Joe Burrow stat, and um, I would like to slide in one myself about Justin Herbert that Joe Burrow doesn't doesn't feature in. Um, Justin Herbert has 250 passing yards in each of his first five starts. He is the first rookie to do that since 1950. Yep, as I uh, I listened to that. I'm sure that they said that on Red Zone or the coverage of the yep. game. Yeah, 70 years nobody's been started as well as him. Yeah. And see, see again, I go back to this because I'd listened to a bit that Colin Coward show on uh, on the on FS One. Um, he had Justin Herbert on, who's actually, by the way, been uh, evacuated from his house because of the forest fires right. in California at the moment. Um, but he he had him on, and uh, for for Herbert's first game, obviously, remember it was about five minutes before the start of the game. He was told, "Oh, by the way, you're playing. Oh, yeah, oh. and it's against Patrick Mahomes." You know, right. and. And just that interview with him, like it literally was that. He says that like, he was still, he was just getting himself ready to sit on the sideline. And the, the you know, Anthony Lynn came over and just went, Oh, by the way, you're playing. He's like, Oh, really? Oh, great. And there wasn't, apparently, like he wasn't nervous. He says, You know, I, I expect 
I'm a, I'm a quarterback in the NFL team. I expect to play. You know, I was happy to go out there. And I'm he, ready he, to play. Yeah, he just looks like he's similar to you're talking about uh, Jamal Williams and uh, and other interviews you've seen. I think or was it Keenan Allen as well? You liked on uh, Hard Knocks. Uh, Herbert here, like he just came across as a guy who really just wants to play football. I bet he also seems to have a really good head on him. I think he was fairly yeah, academic yeah. as well. I think I think he's pretty level headed and he knows like he he's obviously he's got so much to prove and his reputation shouldn't precede him. You know, he, he came in probably I am not saying under the radar because he, he clearly didn't fault knew who he was, but I think I'm gonna give Mikey his dues here, right? And this is what we discussed the other night, was that I think a lot of Mikey's perception of Joe Burrow and a lot of why he likes him is through college football. Yep. I'm building my my opinion of the two of them purely off the NFL. And I think through these seven weeks, I, I would say Justin Herbert has been the better quarterback of the two in terms of A's record, because Mikey talks about records all the time, and B, just being good. See, see when, you, when you look at the way Herbert played in college, um, it looked like... I've only seen a bit of it, but it looked like that uh, offense and the, the the personnel there were trying to kind of protect him a little bit because a lot of during the season he wasn't having the huge throws downfield. It was a lot of kind of short stuff that was happening. But then in the actual bowl game, they basically just went on you go, son. This is on your you last go. game, and he just blew up. He was throwing unbelievable passes and that like halfway down the field. And I think that is the Herbert who actually He's is ball daft. Yeah. I think I think this division with Mahomes against Herbert could be unbelievable for the next ten years. Uh, like this, this could be really fun. To I mean, watch. You, you you saw it in that game where where Herbert came in to play against the Chiefs. Like I think I think that's the the strongest opposition aside from the Raiders, who obviously beat the Chiefs. Uh, I think that's the, probably the hardest game the Chiefs have played to win. Yeah, was against the Chargers, and I think it was purely down to the fact that they did not expect. To have to play against the quarterback that, that did what Herbert did. <laughs> yeah. Now give give your dues, Mikey. I like Burrow as well. I like them both. Like I'm not just defending Kai here. I've seen Mikey just... like very quickly stat searching here. He's been no, sitting no, for I five just... minutes very no, quiet. No. I'm I'm reading something else for uh, an upcoming game, but I just want to correct Kai. He said that Herbert has a better record than uh, Burrow, but Burrow's got an he's winning by a tie, so and if you're saying that ties aren't all that, Eagles have one as well, and that's why they're winning their divisions. So let's just move on to the next part before me and Kai start fighting. Yes, we'll quickly move on. Kai, you had the next game. Yeah, you had the next game, Kai. 49ers-Patriots. Well. Yes. Uh, 49ers won 33 points to 6. I'm going to give you my start, Kai, and I apologise if it steals one of yours, okay? That's all right. Go for it. And then you can talk about the game because you looked at this. This is the first time in four years that New England haven't scored a touchdown at home. Oh, that was one of the ones. I've got a few. On you go then. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what way to start this, good or bad. Um, yeah, New England we'll or bad. All right, you're going 49ers. We'll go 49ers we'll we'll first and then we can move on to the Patriots because I'm pretty sure we'll all have something to say about the Patriots. Um, I actually think the 49ers played quite well. As much as the Patriots were bad, I thought the 49ers looked quite pretty good. Um, and the same way we said last week, them and the Eagles have been absolutely plagued with injuries. Uh, obviously, coming into this week, they'd no Raheem Mostert. Um, so, up steps Jeff Wilson. Yes, my name's Jeff. My name's Jeff. Um, who decided to go for 112 yards and three touchdowns. And then get injured. Uh, and then, yeah. and then yeah. go on IR. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, th- I think there must be a thing 
for the thirty niners, like if you have a good game, you've got to take the side knock of not being able to play for longer than so. Two weeks are you it. suggesting that I should play uh, Jamichael Hasty this week, and then when he gets injured, have to drop him? Drop him. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you're going to play him, have have someone ready for yeah. a few weeks. Yeah, time. that's fine. Um, I think you'll you'll see off the back of that. Obviously, Jeff Wilson's an IR. Raheem Mostert might be back, might not be back. I think he's very much like game time decision could be, could not be. Um, so, despite his minus one yard game this weekend, um, I think you'll see quite a lot of Jarek McKinnon. Um, I've wrote that I've wrote that stat down, um, and I read it as well. I was like, that's a bit weird thinking why has he had such a bad game then I then read into it and realised that actually they were purposely resting him um, because he's played so much until now coming off the back of what was quite a big injury for him uh, I think they were looking to kind of rest him anyway this week and I think it was probably a good idea that they did because he's now probably going to have to play quite a lot in the next few weeks Well is Coleman coming back because I, I th- um, that's another one that, yeah. that Seems to be a bit up in the air. I think they've said the past few weeks that he's meant to be coming yeah. off IR. I don't think they've activated them yet. Yeah. Um, so again, I think you, I think there's probably a chance he might end up being. You never would see players being rushed back, but I think there's probably a good chance you see Tevin Coleman maybe coming back a bit quicker than they thought because they're getting really thin in the yeah. running back room. So this this uh, NFC West with the 49ers and the 49ers are bottom of the division with a four and three record. Um, He's just stolen another stat from is it? Me. Sorry, sorry, but uh, the the team on the other side of the ball, Kai. You said you're going to move on to them. They yep. they uh, maybe not quite as good as the Forty Niners. No, um, it's kind of. I think Mikey said it the other night as well. It looks like the Patriots have just lost all of their their kind of character and their their reputation. Like I know, obviously, it's a massive thing for them losing someone like. And he'll call him Jeff Brady there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to think about Jeff Wilson too much. Um, it's massive for them to lose someone like Tom Brady, um, and you're never going to replace him with someone as like equal to him. Um, Cam Newton coming in probably anticipated a bit more from him. I think he's been very poor through seven weeks. Um, I don't think he's been anything like the Cam Newton of old or what you come to expect of Cam Newton. Uh, obviously he was benched for Jarrett Stidham between the two of them they managed to have less than 200 yards of total offence as in passing rushing everything between the two of them I think they had 188 yards yeah that's not good um, they really were poor um, and, uh, sorry just quickly to talk about another quarterback Jimmy Graham Jimmy Griff good god <laughs> <laughs> the nightmare of names today <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo um, I don't think he actually played that well. He didn't throw a touchdown. He, he threw two interceptions. But again, it's what you said a few weeks ago. I think the system at the 49ers makes Jimmy Garoppolo good. Um, the Patriots have the beauty of being in the AFC East, where they don't have the worst record because the Jets are there. Yeah. Um, but they're they're um, they're two and what's it two and three two, or two, two and four? four. Yeah, is absolutely pathetic. Um, quickly before you say anything uh, and steal another one of my stats um, that's the Patriots' worst loss. They lost by 27 points. Their worst loss in the Belichick era since 2000. Well, it's like their worst, worst result in 20 years. That's 
That's a good stat. Uh, my other stat is that the Patriots are the, apart from the Jets, they're the lowest scoring offense. In fact, not just offense, low scoring team in the league. Yep. Apart from the Jets, do they? Do they? Do they now just look to rebuild? Yep. Uh-huh. Cam, Cam Newton sits on the bench. They play with Stidham and they try and get a high draft pick. But historically, 100%. historically, New England are not very good with drafting, especially offensive pieces. So yeah, yeah. They they, they prefer to get steals in the draft. Obviously, the past twenty years there, they're only getting maybe a, a between a pick in the top twenty or thirty. So they're not used to getting a, a high profile player. But one thing I will say about the Patriots is they play the Buffalo Bills next. And as much as I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be a threat in the AFC this year, and I think they're going to win their division. The Buffalo Bills kryptonite is the New England Patriots. Like, just the the Belichick against that whole AFC uh, East, I think he, I've got the record here, he's 94-31 and 31 all-time in the regular season against the AFC East. And I think for the past few years, he's been undefeated against the Bills as well. So um, that's something that I don't think Bill Belichick will take lightly. I, I'm not saying that the, the Patriots are going to win because I backed them to beat the 49ers this week, but divisional games mean all that more, all that uh, much more, especially with the Bills chasing their first division title since God knows when. So, um, Also, I think the Patriots have lost three games in a row. Uh, I don't think they're definitely not going to win uh, want to lose four in a row. So a very interesting game again coming up this week. Um, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be a similar kind of game as we've seen to the Bills versus the Jets. Might be low scoring, might be a bit um, ugly at times, but they make for interesting games as well. So um, definitely keep an eye out for that one. Yep. I'm going to move on to the next game, which was a very exciting game in the AFC West. Kansas City at Denver. Kansas City won 43 points (laughs) to 16. However, I feel just as the Tampa Bay uh, against Las Vegas game was, I feel this was pretty harsh on Denver, uh, because I think the Denver defence actually played very well during this game. Um, Patrick Mahomes was actually sacked three times. Uh, this is actually Patrick Mahomes' worst, worst, I'll put it in quotation marks, worst game of the season. Uh, uh, certainly in the stat line, it was the, the lowest uh, scoring for him. You know, 15 completions, 23 pass attempts, 200 yards, a touchdown. They're all season lows for all of those stats. Um, but that was mainly because the rest of the Kansas City team did the job for them. Uh, there was a defensive and a special team touchdown for Kansas City. There was two turnovers on top of that, uh, including a a short a short field uh, touchdown uh, from an onside kick um, for Kansas City, so they didn't have to travel that far down the field. Also for Denver, I mean, there was a lot of mistakes there, but there was a failed uh, flea flicker. This is a hard hard sentence to say. A failed flea flicker, there you go, uh, which was over the head of Locke from Gordon, which was turned over. That was one of the most bizarre throws I've ever seen. It was horrendous. Now, you're meant to be a professional athlete and you can't even throw the ball at the person you're throwing at. It was a good three feet over his head. It wasn't close. No, um, (laughs) it it was really bad. Um, just touching on the Denver side of the ball before I go into what I want to talk about but Kansas City I thought the rushing game was actually very good uh, Gordon averaged 4 yards a carry um, Lindsay actually averaged nearly 9 yards a carry I think between the two of them they're, they're doing well I really like the look at Lindsay there now that again could have something to do with the fact that Kansas City were one of the worst if not the worst rushing defence in the league 
Uh, they stop yeah. they stop a lot of passes, but the rushing defense isn't great. Um, but on the other side of the ball, talking about rushing, there was eight attempts for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, six for Bell. Um, I was interested as a Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, and actually Le'Veon Bell in redraft uh, owner um, how they were going to split these carries because there was rumours about what happened and it looked like they were taking drive about so the first drive of the game Clyde Edwards Hilaire was in for it second drive it was Bell next one Clyde Edwards Hilaire and there was basically not a huge no, no one else was really in the backfield for it Um a lot of people thought possibly Bell would take over third down and the goal work, but it looked like they were taking drive about. So I was wondering between the two of you what you thought that means for Kansas City going forward. Is that sort of thing you're, you're looking at? I feel as if it might, taking drive about might mean that they, they if one of them has momentum, they might lose that momentum by not being out in the field for a while, but... Seems a... I, th- I think... I think regardless of what they do, it will be difficult for them to find a way to to please them both. Um, I think Edward Hilaire comes in with the expectation of being such a high draft pick and so much expectation on him that he expects to play and then Le'Veon Bell's obviously Le'Veon Bell, so again, he'll expect to play and he's he's come with great expectation as well. But I think, like you say, I think if they go if they do drive about and, for example... Le'Veon Bell's playing really well, getting lots of yards, maybe scoring, scored a couple of touchdowns or whatever, and they're having real problems with them, and then all of a sudden they chuck Edward Tillera in and totally kill the momentum again. Like, I don't know if it's a very... I don't know if it's a very good model to follow for for them, but I suppose Andy Reid and the offensive coordinator know a hell of a lot more than we Kai for press week. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mikey? I, I don't know if I like. I, I feel like the NFL's never been like this before. I, I don't know if anybody follows the NBA, but like the Golden State Warriors brought in this super team. Like that was the, that's the kind of thing that's been happening in basketball in recent years. With when Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors, it was known as a super team, and now we're seeing it with both the LA teams in basketball. And it it kind of takes away from the league a little bit because you know there's probably only one or two contenders uh, each season, and that's not what it should be like for American sports, but. I feel with the NFL now, with Tampa Bay doing uh, signing uh, AB, and now Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs, it almost feels the kind of same blueprint of bringing in super teams. These teams that just have absolute superstars um, all over the offensive line or the defensive line, and I'm, I don't know if I like it. I, th- I think what you said about splitting the splitting the way that they play. I think if Le'Veon Bell gets a big gain or makes a big play, you might get to see him in for the next couple of snaps and it might take away from CEH or vice versa. So um, I I honestly have no idea how this offensive system is going to work because they're still a very pass-heavy offence as well. Um, and as we said with Tampa Bay, just too many mouths to feed at the moment to see, to know what's going to happen with them. But um, I think Bell to the Chiefs is more beneficial than Antonio Brown to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anyway, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think Bell's really uh, happy to go there because I think he's looking for a, a ring. Really. Yeah, that's, I don't that's think he's he looking wants. for stats. He's not looking to have another thousand yard uh, scrimmage season. I think a he wants to win a ring because he's getting towards his kind of end of his years of his career, and 
I think Randy Reid's brought him in as a mentor for CEH as well. I think that's going to be very beneficial for him moving forward, uh, considering he is just a rookie. Yeah, I never considered that, but that's a good point. That very well could be the case. Let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Mikey, you stayed up to watch this. Um, I'd went to my bed and watched the highlights after. But this game was meant to be in the late window, but it got moved because of the, the Tampa Bay game moving. And it turns out it was a, a very good game to move into that Sunday Night Football. Uh Seattle travelling to Arizona. Arizona winning 37 points to 34. A duel in the desert. What do you think, Mikey? Yeah. Oh, not only did I stay up for this, I couldn't get to sleep after it as well. I was that hyped up. Um, I think this is the best NFL game we've seen since the Chiefs played the Rams in 2018 and it went to, uh, I think it finished 54-51 or something like that. This game was just unbelievable. I, I I haven't even wrote anything down for this game apart from one thing because there's just too much to talk about. So I'll just kind of brush on them very quickly. First time since 1948 that both quarterbacks in a game had at least 300 yards passing and 50 yards rushing. Um, I want to say probably the most, the biggest part of the game was the DK Metcalf chase down on Buda Baker uh, after Russell Wilson threw the interception. That's just incredible. That just shows that you should never give up on a play um, I think DK Metcalf is the best athlete in the NFL. Could the the guy is just a monster. Could Odell Beckham maybe learn a lesson on how to tackle? Uh, by watching DK Definitely, Metcalf there, yeah. <laughs> because he tackled him quite well at the end of it, whereas Odell Beckham yeah. injured himself. He just, I mean, he he got up to speeds of twenty two miles an hour. He's six foot four and two hundred and thirty pounds, and he's running that fast. That it just it, the guy defies the laws of physics. Genuinely, um. He didn't actually have a good game, but that game, even though they lost, will forever be spoken about for that chase down. Um, one thing I spoke about before the game was um, I think this was the perfect game for Kyler Murray to really step up and show that he's up there with the, the best quarterbacks in the league. We've seen it a lot in recent years when Mahomes in his second year, Lamar Jackson in his second year, both win an MVP. I'm not saying Kyler Murray's going to win the MVP, but he had to have that breakout game in prime time to to show that he was well to hang with the with the big boys and he definitely did that. Um him and Russell Wilson were terrific. Um it was just a, a crazy game. There was obviously the DK Metcalf uh passing score that would have won them the game in overtime that was uh, chopped off because of an offensive holding play. But then the, the missed field goal from the Cardinals, which gave the, the Seahawks a chance to go down the field. And then the Isaiah Simmons interception, which then gave the Cardinals another chance. There was I don't want to go actually too much into this because there was genuinely too much to talk about. And we'll talk for hours on the game. But by far, the game of the season. Um, and credit to the Cardinals. They, they gave the Seahawks, obviously, their first loss of the season. And it was well-deserved. I think um, uh, you've pretty much covered everything there. There's only really two, two things uh, that kind of spring to mind from that game that you've either not covered or that I, I wanted to add to. One of them is um, if we're looking at uh, Russell Wilson's interception count for the season I think I said that he only had five all season last year. He's now on six um, through six, seven games. Um, so, not a good start. Um, the other thing, obviously when we're talking about missed field goals and stuff I think the biggest point of this game was that field goal that the Cardinals had that for some reason the the Seahawks the Seahawks I think he was a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman whatever he was he was on special teams decided to climb over the top of the Cardinals blocker to try and block the punt uh, the the field goal which then gave a fifteen yard penalty which then meant the Cardinals 
could get first down again and they ended up scoring a touchdown from that drive. Yep. I think that was the biggest turning point of that game. I think if the if the Seahawks had held that to a field goal, they then go up the field. I think if even if they'd settled for a field goal themselves, I think they would have seen that game out. Um I think to go and do something as stupid as that, let them in for a touchdown. Uh, it's unforgivable, I would say, on the Seahawks side of the ball. Totally agree with you, yeah. On the Seahawks side of the ball, obviously Tyler Lockett, I mean, he did have an unbelievable game receiving. He had 20 targets, 15 receptions, 200 yards, 3 touchdowns. I mean, if you're playing against him in fantasy, you almost certainly lost. It was something like 53 points or something like that in fantasy. It was crazy. Uh, the one point I want to make on this is, to me, this almost looked like um, the old and the new. Basically, it looked to me like Kyler Murray is what Russell Wilson has been all these years and not I'm not saying taking over from Wilson because Wilson's still got lots of years ahead of him but like this is almost like exactly the same sort it was of a passing of the torch it. style moment even though Russell Wilson could win MVP this year and has a good five six years I honestly think ahead of him but I totally get what you mean it was a it was shown both styles they're, they're very similar in quarterbacks but it was shown uh different generations of quarterbacks basically playing but another weird stat as well was the field goal that won it for the Cardinals, that was the first time they went ahead in the full game. They were lo- they were trailing the full game. They were tying, obviously, to take it to overtime. But uh, to make it 37-34 on that field goal was the first uh, time the Arizona Cardinals were ever ahead in that game. Well, uh, if you're going to do that, make sure you do it right at the end so you get the win. Definitely. Exactly. Good yeah. tactics, but no, A great game. Statement win. Um, this division is by far the most interesting of them all. Um we, I, I don't even know if me, me and Kai were talking about it. I think all three of us spoke about it in the last podcast. Is it genuinely possible for four teams from one division to make the playoffs? Is I, that allowed? I, I don't think it's not allowed. Obviously, in previous years, they... It would take something crazy if, for it, it, happen, it physically but... wasn't possible in previous years because there's only two wildcard yeah. spots. But now there's three. I think there's a possibility. And, I mean, they're all above 500 just now. So there's a chance. Yeah. It would be, it'd be unbelievable if the first year that there were seven teams from each conference going in that four, four came from one but you never know what might happen the, um, sorry just mentioning that the outside of, of their their division sorry in the NFC West uh, just looking at what the records of the other teams are there is only one yeah there's only two two other teams in that whole conference that have a better record than them so there's every chance and the Seahawks. Oh, sorry, three. In that division, sorry. Three Packers, Bears, and um, I've just yeah. So, shut so it again. look, looking at the wild card position. So obviously you've got the four, the four division winners, but the, those battling for wild card: uh, Cardinals, Rams, Bears, all have five wins, and then the Forty ers yeah. and the Saints have four wins. And I think the Bears will drop off there. So there's a strong chance. That that f- all four from that NFC West could get into there. It would be very good chance, very right? interesting. If, uh, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, um, and that meant that the San Francisco 49ers were bottom of their division, you must be fuming at seeing the Philadelphia Eagles make the playoffs on that record yes. when you're sitting on that record. Uh-huh. It, it's it's just the way it works. It's it's cruel, but it's just the way football works. But yeah, you would be very upset if you end the season with a winning record or finish at 500 and. I'm not saying that the Eagles will finish with an illusion record, but out of all the divisions in the NFC, that one seems the most likely. Um, you would be, you would be, you'd feel, you'd feel very hard done by if that was the case. Can I just clarify that I am saying that the Eagles will finish with a losing record? 
Kai rolls his eyes. Me and Kai argue about so much. I'm just going to give him this one. I'm not going to go out and say, you know, I guarantee that they'll finish with a losing record. But Adam, I'll text you when the podcast ends to, to say that that's going to happen. So m- moving on, <laughs> moving on to the 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 last game of the week, Monday Night Football. Another NFC West team were in there. The Rams were at home to the Chicago Bears, who I say uh, aren't very good for their five and two records now. Um, I just my points here are Chicago are bad, and here's a little stat for you. So in the NFC, we're just talking about the teams there that have all got five wins. Okay, the point differential. I said this to Kai earlier, Mikey, but this is going to be new news for you. So the point differential for these teams: the Bucks have plus eighty, Cardinals plus fifty-seven, Rams plus fifty-two, Packers plus thirty-eight, Seahawks plus thirty-one, and the Bears' points differential when they are five and two is minus two. They have conceded more points than they have scored, and they have five wins and two losses. Yeah, the the record almost when you look at the season and you you look at the performances rather than the results, you wouldn't think that the, it flatters the to deceive. Two records. I mean, I think they're starting to, to get found out. There's a there's a lot of talk about uh, I can't remember who the Bears are playing next week, but there's a lot of talk that Trubisky may start um, or they're may they're at home. Heavily. They're at home to the Saints next week. Yeah, because the I, I was reading somewhere or listening somewhere, I can't remember. Obviously, the Saints are going to put pressure on the quarterback and Foles isn't as mobile. I don't think Foles has ever been a mobile quarterback. That's no disrespect to him. Um, Trubisky is. He is a mobile quarterback. I don't think he gets actually... I'm not a big fan of him, but I don't think he gets enough credit for how mobile he can be at times. Um, I think either A, they'll take a big risk and start Trubisky or you'll see Foles struggle and Trubisky will come into the game and, and start to kind of maybe run the ball uh, on a few more design plays, similar to what we see with, with Daniel Jones and the Giants. Um, I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was last week, actually, when I was saying the two of you were just saying it because it was the a team in the Packers division, but I would tend to agree with you. I don't <laughs> think their, their performances have been reflective of um, their record. I mean, week one, they won by four against the Lions. Week two, they won by four against the Giants. Week three, they won by four against the Falcons. Obviously lost week four against the Colts. Week five, they only won by one against the Buccaneers. And week six, um, they only won by four against the Panthers. And then obviously this week got a bit of a doing. Right, I, I know that they obviously they beat the Bucks there, okay? But they've beaten the one and six Falcons, the three yep. and four Panthers... Uh, who are the other teams you said they'd beaten? They beaten the Giants, who are one in six. Mm-hmm. You know, like these um, teams they've beaten are not good teams. I, I, yeah. The thing is that they're five and two just now. Nine games left to go. Five of those nine games are divisional games. Uh, that's huge. I know that the Vikings aren't playing that well just now, but with Dalvin Cook coming back, I'd I'd look, just on paper I'd take the Vikings against the Bears. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But looking at their schedule, say New Orleans Saints. Tennessee Titans, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Vikings, and then they've got the bye. Then they're away to Green Bay, Detroit, Texans, uh, Vikings, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Packers. Off the top of my head right there, they're all going to be pretty close games apart from maybe the Jacksonville game. Um, whether they win them or not is obviously remains to be seen, but that's a difficult schedule with a lot of divisional games coming up, which coming towards the end of the season are massively important when you're looking for a playoff spot. If I was to make a prediction, I'd predict that they lose all those games except the Jags game. Right now, so you're going to go. They're going to go one in the eight. Yep, the fantasy season. Yep, and they miss the playoffs by a mile because they are rubbish. Hey, there we go. <laughs> That's me decided. Uh, Adam's outlandish <laughs> player of the week has been done. 
Mikey, we're actually at the end of the week here of the games, and we haven't yet heard your outlandish claim of this week. So, do you have one? I don't really. No, and I don't really want to just make one up for the sake of it. What I did say to Kai, and I am I'm putting it in. I don't care what anybody says. I have put my. I said that Kyler Murray would slice up the Seahawks secondary, and they would get a massive statement win against a division rival and take that final lot of the O off the Seahawks record. I've put that into my outlandish claims because. When I posted in our group that I thought the Cardinals were going to win, Kai wrote Cardinals, question mark, exclamation point, as if to say, what a silly, silly claim. So, and you both said that the Seahawks would win. So I'm I'm going to put that as my claim for the week. That was, I just wanted to get that in there. There we go. That's your outlandish <laughs> claim, is it? <laughs> of last week, yeah. Of last week, yeah. Right, well, that's all the game's done. Uh, I didn't really have much to say about the Rams because I just thought they did what they had to do to beat the Chicago Bears. I think they've been struggling a wee bit this season, but I'm sure it will come together eventually. I think Jared yeah. Goff is one of the quarterbacks similar to Matt Stafford. He's nothing special, but I think he's going to do enough with a decent team around I, I, I think he's... I, I would say Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared yeah, Goff, yeah. I think. I, I don't think Jared Goff is massively... Again, he's not fancy. He's not a nice quarterback to watch. He's also, I find, not that great at times. I think he, he has days where you really wonder how on earth he's ended up in that position. Um, but at the same time, like he quietly goes about his business and he kind of he, he does what he needs to do, type thing. And I think, like I said last week, I think we maybe expected a wee bit too much of the Rams and the sense of them being great to watch but I mean they're what five and two now so yeah. they've they've got a good record. It's just one one thing I wanted to ask as well before we hit the two minute one if we if well if you two are saying that Gardner Minshew is of the thirty two quarterbacks starting in the league, he's number thirty two. Is Kirk Cousins number thirty one? I would say so, yeah. Um I'm just looking I, had, the... I, I hadn't even really considered him in the bracket because we moved on from that conversation, and I, I thought of this is this is saying that Dax is starting quarterback. This is barring any injuries, um, but just looking at some of the teams that have poor quarterbacks, I'm just thinking. I mean, you'd maybe put Ryan Fitzpatrick number thirty-one, but that's no discredit to him. He's had a a, a long career and stuff like that, and obviously two is in now. Sam Darnold, I wouldn't say so. Kirk Cousins, Kyle Allen, and then um, or Washington. Yeah, probably put him thirty-one. Bengals, Titans, no Patriots, Bills. Drew Locke, nope. Herbert, nope. See, like there's there's nobody else. I think yeah, probably Kyle Allen, number thirty-one, and Kirk Cousins on that massive contract at number thirty. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, I don't rate Baker Mayfield, so I think he's close to down there as well. I know that's maybe. A, maybe we should do. Maybe we should do a quarterbacks ranking. We could do that for a, one to thirty-two. A, we could do that for a podcast. Yeah. Do that and go away. Go away this week, and we'll all rank thirty-two yeah. quarterbacks. We'll have a discussion on this, the final details of it. Um, yeah. That could be, that could be a, a QB ranking special, will we? Very good. Yeah. Have a full go. podcast debating it and why Kai's wrong for putting Carson Wentz at number one. Oh, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Oh, Justin Herbert, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Justin Herbert at number one, come on. <laughs> Joe Burrow at 31. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to hit our two-minute one and we're going to go on to our predictions. There we go. So, our predictions for this week. Again, this is when I hand over the, the reins of uh, the show to Mikey, who has all these predictions that we put in throughout the week. He collates them and tells us why Adam is so bad at the predictions. We were talking about this before we, we started the podcast. Besides the Thursday night game, 
uh, Giants Eagles. Adam, you started with some ballsy claims. You started off very, very well. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get to the yeah. second half of your yeah. predictions. But, yeah. Thursday night football, then. We'll start with that. Um, Philadelphia won. Kai was the sole winner again of Thursday night football. I feel like that's just, we, we are just doing it so that one week, me and you are right and Kai's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're, Chiefs, will, Chiefs will be playing the Jags and me and Adam will be like, yeah, it's Jags. Just because <laughs> we don't want to agree with Kai on the Thursday night game. But yeah, Kai was the only one that got that one right. I mean, see, to be honest, Mikey, the only reason I picked that is because uh, they were playing against the Eagles. So I'm, I'm just attempting yeah, to. to... You're both just doing it to spite me. Yeah. Uh, even with a third choice quarterback this week, Cowboys to win maybe. Yeah, that could be. Um, <laughs> uh, the second game was Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Pittsburgh won that. I think we were all on the. I think we were all on the fence with this one, but uh, Adam, you were the sole predictor with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you very much. Good start for me. Uh, Washington then demolished Dallas. Me and Kai had the Cowboys. You had Washington, Adam. Oh, another great yeah, show. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the Bills at the Jets. The Bills won. Clean clean sweep for us. I don't think anybody's predicted the Jets apart from that Thursday night football game this season. I was very worried watching the start of that when the Jets got off to the start they yeah. did. But uh, they came back in the end. Um, Carolina lost to New Orleans. New Orleans Saints won that game. Yeah, me and Kai had the Saints. You had the Panthers, which I can, I can understand. I was kind of torn between that game. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would want a big win against his former team. But... Um, yeah, me and Kai got the points here. Very close. They very easily could have or slash should have won that game, yeah. I think, the Panthers. Uh, Green Bay at Houston. Green Bay won that. Clean sweep for all of us with the Packers, yep. Cleveland scraped past Cincinnati. Um, myself and Kai had the Browns. You had the Bengals, Adam. That's because I don't like Baker. Um, <laughs> Detroit at Atlanta. Detroit won that thanks to Atlanta. We all had the Falcons. I'm pretty sure I said in a previous podcast I'm never backing the Falcons again, and I think I and I then I backed the Lions on a bet, so that was maybe a mistake I, for me. I but think what happened it. right at the start when it was all the the own four, the own five teams uh, were picking when Atlanta were going to win their first game, and everyone said against the Lions, so I think that's why we all picked them in this. Okay, um, possibly, but we were yeah, wrong. A wrong clean sweep there. Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay demolished the Las Vegas Raiders. A correct clean sweep from all of us, we said the Bucks. The Chargers beat uh, Gardner Minch's shoes, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Another clean sweep for all of us there with the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, New England got demolished by San Francisco. Kai had the 49ers, uh, me and you, Adam, had the Patriots. I just think that maybe, I, I, I just, as I've said before, I didn't think that the 49ers would make the playoffs and I think that the Patriots needed that bounce back win and I thought it was going to come this week, but it was obviously not correct, so yeah. Kai was the only one that got a point there. We were very wrong there. Um, Kansas City very. had another thrashing of Denver. Uh, Chiefs clean sweep for all of us. Yeah. Uh, this is where we had a split. Arizona beat the Seahawks. Yeah, you two had the Seahawks and me, myself and I had the Cardinals. And I'm hoping we all said the Rams in this next game. Rams clean sweep, yep. And we wouldn't upset you and pick the, the Bears, Adam. We wouldn't want to upset a co-host. I have quite a hatred of several teams, it would appear. Uh, <laughs> I seem to pick one from each all division. But, all but one in the NFC North. <laughs> uh, so what were the scores for this week then, and then the total overall scores, Mikey? So, reverse order again. Um, Adam, after a strong start, oh, you got me. 8 out of 14. How? How? Oh. 8 out of 14. The last ones were... The, the, you had a little... You middled in the in the middle section, believe it or not. Um and then I was in second place with 9 out of 14. 
and then Kai first this week with 10 out of 14, which means overall, Adam, you are now on what we were on last week on 38 <laughs> out of 73. Uh, I'm in second place on 47 out of 73. And Kai in first place, one point ahead on 48 out of 73. Do you remember that I joked last week that I said if the two of you had a week off, I could play and still not overtake you? That wasn't a joke. That was deadly. See, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have overtaken you. <laughs> I am Maybe so glad that I didn't go to a tiebreaker um, because just for, I don't think we actually mentioned it on the podcast last week, I think we did it afterwards. Uh, Mikey took Devontae Adams as his um, tiebreaker. And uh, you, you two looked for like. Um, almost like sleepers for the week, like people that maybe would have... I think And I just thought because Devontae Adams has been injured and had a bye, he was outside the top 10 rankings, and I was like, I'm taking him. There's no doubt Mike, about it. So. Mikey, Mikey's a scumbag. Right, but he's outside the rules. <laughs> you're allowed to pick someone outside the top 10 in their position rankings. Our, our, discussion, our discussion beforehand included Adam getting the first pick and saying, I'm not going to be that nasty. I'm going to pick someone other than... I can't remember who it was you were going to pick. I was going to pick Julio. Yeah, there but we yeah, go. Not so Adam, right. Adam was a nice guy. I agree, Mikey. It is within the rules to do it, but it's against the the kind of morals. The, the mo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> ethos. The ethos of the game, exactly. But, uh, All no, I'll say is nice guys finish last. So, and Kai, I'm pretty sure you're last in sleep at this. Uh, I mean, I'm last in the prediction, so that must mean I'm a really nice guy because I'm miles behind everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but. Thank you very much, guys, again, for joining me this week um, to talk about some football. Um, I hope you enjoyed our uh, hour and a half of chat that we do each week to talk about these these games. I've got a prediction. Oh? Sorry, just looking at the... I know we're just wrapping up, but I'll give a little live off-the-cuff prediction. (laughs) He's trying to cut me off. No, that's not at all. No, speech. what? It's like, it's like when you've got a, the winner's speech at the Oscars and it's taken too long so they play the music. Um, as much as I like Tua, I think he's going to get beaten up against this Rams D and I think that he will get sacked upwards of four times, four or five times he'll get sacked this week. Mikey's outlandish, Mikey's outlandish claim of the week. My singing gets better every week, I tell you. Uh, did I tell you that my mum was listening to this and she said, you shouldn't really sing? That's what she said. She was not very supportive of me. But there we go. So I up, think... Uh, maybe, maybe, next, maybe next time you sing, we'll play the music. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Mikey could be right. I think if you're going to start against anyone to go into a game as your first start in the NFL and it to be against Aaron Donald... Is probably the scariest prospect you could have. Yeah, that's Aaron Donald must be licking his lips. I mean, he had uh, obviously, obviously, he doesn't want to injure uh, Alex Smith, but he had Alex Smith in his comeback. Now he's got Tua, who's injury prone, on his debut. Like this guy must just be thinking. But the, the thing is, Aaron Donald seems like a based on hard knocks and other things. He seems like a really, really nice guy. So oh, I don't yeah. think it would be in his nature to like. I'm not saying it's in anyone's nature to be fair to go and try and injure him, but yeah. Yes, I think one I might guy agree who I think you. it would be in his nature. Did you see Akeem Hicks licking his lips in the Rams game? <laughs> yeah, that guy was hungry for some sacks. <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll leave it there now that we've done that and um, we've had Mikey's outlandish claim for the week. And uh, thank Are we you doing live live Thursday night football predictions. Oh, I forgot about that. We've got Thursday this. night football, don't we? Panthers, Falcons, Panthers. 
I'm never betting against the Falcons on this podcast uh, for the Falcons. Are I mean, I'm, I am Panthers. I have to agree with you. Let's go Panthers. Clean yeah. sweep Panthers. Clean sweep Panthers, exactly. So thank you for joining us again, gentlemen. Uh, this time I'm going to play the music at the right time. Uh, and then we can, <laughs> we can leave fine. So thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you next week. See you later. Bye. Pleasure as always. <laughs>